the VCG podcast is sponsored by Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts in Barrie, Vermont. Forget Me Not Flowers and Gifts is at a new location on Main Street. So check them out if you're looking for flowers or gifts for someone in your life. Welcome to the Chaotic Good Cast, our weekly geeky roundtable. I'm your host, Doug Shue, and with me are my fellow casters, Rob Collegian from a Pond's perspective. You get a Taco Bell. <laughs> ben Higgins from Quarterstaff Games. The throne of magic cards is much comfier. <laughs> Artist, illustrator, awesome person all around, Mr. Barney Smith. I lost my mood ring, and I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> the chaotic good cast would not be complete without the geek of the north, Jason Hunt. We got 95 centimeters of snow this weekend. I'll let you guys do the math. <sighs> All right, let's dive right into it this week's episode with new at the store and back for that segment this week is the one and only ben higgins ben take it away so this week sees the release of the magic the gathering fall set the throne of eldraine uh so this is a fairy tale inspired world we're kind of stepping away from the uh the gate watch aspect that is happening uh, if for almost about three years now in the storyline, uh, they're nowhere to be seen. And we have kind of a fresh world, first time visiting it in the story. And yeah, there's all the fairy tale tropes you can think of the gingerbread men, the Hansel and Gretel, the Goldilocks and the Three Bears, all this stuff going on. Uh, and with this new world, Wizards is producing a ton of new products. Uh, one of the big uh, ones that's anticipated is the Collector's Booster. This is like a special booster pack that has mostly foil cards, alternate art treatments, uh, all this different things. And they are going for a lot of money online. When a normal booster pack is selling for roughly $4, you are seeing these Collector Boosters go anywhere from $30 to $40. So it's, it's definitely an investment. Uh, but the big one I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about uh, is one that will be at the store very briefly <laughs> uh, uh, when this drops, and that's the new Brawl decks. Uh, so for people who aren't in the Magic Circles, Brawl is a format that Wizards is trying to push. It's basically like Commander, but it uses standard legal-only cards, and it's a 60-card singleton deck instead of a 100-card uh, deck and so with throne of eldraine they're producing these brawl decks which is fantastic that someone could just come in and buy one and and be able to play this new format that wizards wants but the problem is under production they have printed so few of these that most stores are being allocated to ridiculously low amounts and it's causing a just a complete drought of the product uh in the entire uh paper industry Yikes. Well, what it's causing is a lot of people to grab one and throw it up on eBay for five times the price. <laughs> That's true. That's exactly what happens when people underprint things. It's all over the industry now. 
Now they produce like a fraction of what you need, and then all of a sudden people are like, "Well, all like you'll get a lot of people who will buy it and open it and play with it, but you'll get the savvy people." I don't, I'm not sure if savvy is the word. <laughs> I think it's kind of skeezy, but whatever. Um, who will grab a pack, maybe two, and open one and throw one up on eBay for some exorbitant amount of money? And there's always somebody out there with the cash to say, "Oh my God, I can get one here! Bang, buy it now." Now, do you think that these companies do this on purpose for, you know, some of the time? Do you think they I do. Do you think they do that so that it generates hype for their product? Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. It generates hype and it also creates a secondary market. And I'm not sure if that's what they were aiming for, but it sure as heck does happen. Like every almost every major hobby company, honestly, has their deluxe super special ultra, you know, silk bookmark edition, blah, 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 with a fancy cover and yada, yada, yada. And they only ever produce like 1,200 of them when they know full well that the demand massively outstrips the supply. Because in a lot of these cases, when you can pre-order these things, they put the pre-order up and within minutes, like literal minutes, it's all gone. And the company's always got this thing like, oh my goodness, gosh darn it, had no idea that this was going to sell this well. You guys are amazing. And then they do it again next year and the year after that and the year after that. So obviously they're doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's one of those things that like with a collector's like a, a small like special version I'm I'm kind of okay with it, but this is supposed to be a product that is meant for people to be play and get into a format. Um, and and also the in two weeks they want stores to host what they're calling a brawl weekend to celebrate this format. And no one's gonna have the product to do that. And so it's like wh- where do you kind of draw this line? between a new product you don't want to print too much and have it go bad for you but at the same time you got to do something more than what wizards has done my concern is on friday we will see stores not have these products and then the wizards account that sells through amazon will have plenty of them and that will be a huge red flag Wizards of the Coast uh, and their and their business practices. If they have shorted it to the hobby distribution channel so much so that they can keep it and sell it themselves, uh, I am very worried about that. And we'll see by the time this episode airs if that is true or not. I feel like this happens with with Commander decks whenever they come out as well. Because I remember when my my son was first getting into Magic, there was a new Commander set coming out and he was really interested because his friends were talking about commander and like i went to walmart because that's the closest you know we had and i figured they should have they should have decks they had one one left on the shelf by the time i got there so i called the local uh you know card shop which is a little bit further away and they they got none um i I just feel like it's nothing new when it comes to these type of these type of decks the thing with the commander decks is a lot of it's not it's not the standard card availability either. So a lot of people will buy it just because they want some of the individual cards that are more rare or difficult to find. But the thing the brawl thing is it's all standard cards. There is nothing in there that hasn't been printed in eleven years or whatever. So like 
the only the only thing I can see about them doing it like this is maybe they're just trying to generate interest and then generate revenue on the back of it by saying, hey, if you really like these decks, the card lists available online, you can get all these cards at your local game store by buying regular packs of magic. And then all of a sudden kids are flocking in there throwing money at booster boxes trying to get all the cards they need to make one particular brawl deck. And like I'm it's really catering to like the completionist folks out there too. I mean, how how much of that? I remember I asked you guys this before. How much of that is for people that just like to collect and and have a complete sets, or how much of it is actually for people that um, help them play the game? Well, it depends. It depends because you see, technically, a complete set is four of each one because that's the maximum amount you can have in each deck. So, but with Brawl, you can only have one of each card. So, I don't know. It may be, it could very well be. I mean, it's a, it's a valid point. That's for sure. But it's, it's upsetting. Like I would grab some Brawl decks for sure. Cause I, I liked, I've always liked the idea of Commander, but it was, always, it always felt like such a slog. Like I never yeah. enjoyed the length Commander, Commander takes forever to play. So Brawl, I mean, it really interests me, but if I can't find decks, then... I mean, I'm sure we have enough cards in-house to make little Brawl decks that are, you know, not tournament legal, but we could still play Brawl. But it'd be nice just to have a pre-made deck to not have to go through the hassle of, of making one. It's nice because you get, the, you, sometimes you get the fancy box and it has the cool art. And, you know, there's, there's always something to make it unique. Like even the Commander decks, they come out in these interesting looking boxes and people are like, oh, hey, this is cool. It's a little bit of prestige involved there, I think. And that's about what they're going for i think the, the thing I, really... I... go ahead go, go ahead doug well the thing that kind of bothers me like now that ben's kind of explained the the rollout of uh, of this magic set and especially the brawl decks is if they had a specific event like planned for these decks wouldn't you want to have enough product to support that event and not make the stores look bad and not like in 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 support the community that that you're trying to build with at the store level like how is the store supposed to promote event an event if they don't have the product to sell like that's that's what puzzles me like you know you have all these stores you know kind of what their draws are like can't you kind of forecast how many decks you kind of need to put into production i mean you would you would think so with with their their wizards event reporter you know literally sending them data every week almost every day really from these stores of how many people are playing there and who's playing there because everyone has a unique id so you you think they'd know okay these stores have you know 20 roughly engaged players these stores have 100 engaged players let's assume you know even half the engaged players aren't interested that still makes x amount <clears throat> we're not a small store our pre-release events uh we put 150 people through uh our pre-release events last weekend nice. and and we are getting uh 16 decks wow. so like total like, total. We are getting 16 total. Wow, you're going to have a riot. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be very interesting. We are limiting them to one per person, uh, and 
yeah, they're they're still going to be gone within you know probably a couple hours of opening. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's not a great place to 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 be in, knowing that we're going to be disappointing people for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, like that that makes the store look bad, even if it is nothing you can control. Right. Like that sucks. And and yeah. just as far as like a retail, I'm thinking as far as a retail standpoint on like that's a lot of sales that you're missing out on. Like that, that could be like a really big day for you, like it, as far as sales, sales wise. Yeah, it's um, you know, we definitely ordered more than the sixteen displays, or pardon me, the sixteen decks, uh, which is uh, two displays. Uh, we ordered, uh, we ordered about eight displays of this product, so we got a twenty five percent allocation. Uh, which yeah, it's uh it's painful to, to see potential dollars walk out the door like that. Um, I will say at least wizards has kind of told us that they're going to be doing a reprint, uh, but that's not going to be till mid end of November. Uh, so that's six, six weeks uh, for people to get frustrated with the situation, decide either, well, I'm not going to look at this, uh, format so i don't care about it anymore we saw similar things that happened with uh some of the fantasy flight game stuff the star wars destiny game hype was super big print runs were really small and the game died very quickly in a lot of places like is this what wizards is going to have or is wizards big enough that they can they can withstand that uh that'll be something we'll have to see over the next couple of weeks yeah from just the the retail aspect of that is just just so frustrating. I can't uh, I can't imagine having to deal with that, especially over and over again with all these companies. <laughs> it's uh we we are constantly reminded that while we promote products for these companies, we are ultimately a customer of these companies as well, and they may not care about us as much as. Uh, we may wish they did or even think they did. Um, so I'm hoping that the reprint comes quick. I would urge all of our listeners that if they are unable to get a deck uh, to let their local store know they're still interested so that their local store can place adequate amounts of back orders for the reprint and get those in uh, so that uh, the sales can still come to the local area and you can still generate a community where people can play. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Was that it for uh, new at the store for this week, Ben? Is that uh, all you got going yeah, on? Yeah, that uh, that's that's the notable one. We do have uh, some a uh, few other games coming in that are not uh, brand new releases, but we also have King Domino Rolling Right that uh, we're going to be getting in finally. I missed the boat on this the first time around. Uh, so I'm very happy to get it in. The King Domino and Queen Domino games have been really great for us. Uh, so the the roll and write version, the King Domino duel, I am I am definitely looking forward to. I did not even know that was a thing, and I am ashamed that I did not know that. And now I need it. <laughs> yeah, it it, it kind of snuck under the radar, considering how big King Domino and Queen Domino were. Uh, you know, just a, a year or so ago, the the roll and write just kind of whoop. I'm here please, please look at me. But uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to get that in and uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to try that uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Nice. Very cool. 
All right, that's going to do it for New at the Store. Let's head over to the box office beat and talk about the hotness that was the box office this weekend and possibly the hotness that's going to be next weekend. Uh, this weekend was kind of a so-so weekend for uh, the box office uh, this last weekend. Uh, the number one movie was Abominable by DreamWorks. Um, it uh, brought in about $21 million, uh, which I guess they're fairly happy with. Um, it costs the, the studio about $75 million, uh, so it's kind of up in the air as to whether or not that movie's going to actually be profitable for them. Uh, it's got uh, a very strong A rating from CinemaScore, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, the audience skewed 56% female and uh, younger by 46% being under 18. Uh, the one thing that folks are kind of concerned about and this is might be the reason why DreamWorks might not make money on Abominable is uh, is the fact that the Adams Family movie. I don't know. Have you guys started seeing pre previews and trailers for this uh, movie oh, coming yeah. out? Oh yeah. yep. Yeah, uh, that's coming out October 11th, and uh, they think it might uh, you know all the uh, the family you know good vibes that uh, Abominable pretty much dominates at this point in the theaters is going to pretty much get knocked out with the uh, with the adams family uh are we excited about an adams I, family movie i'm i was not impressed with the trailer really i mean yeah like the, the the art looks great the characters all look okay but it didn't seem very funny i'm excited because it's adams family but it's gonna be hard to top raul julia like the you know the Adams Family movies, what Adams Family and Adams Family Values right, right. are are still just amazing go to movies. Like every Halloween, um, I can't see this being better than those, but I'm gonna see it anyway. Yeah, uh, my my daughter's not all that. I would think that my daughter would be interested in going to see that movie, but she's just she's like, nah, I don't really want to go see it. But I mean, she's like I said before uh, in previous episodes she's she's 13 so pretty much everything is meh you know uh, she, she doesn't uh, doesn't express a whole lot of uh, enthusiasm about a, a lot of things at this age which is kind of frustrating as a parent but it's always fun to uh, uh, take a kid to the movie and movies and and uh, watch movies with with uh, the family of course uh yeah I, i'm i'm kind of wondering how uh, how well it'll do and whether whether or not it's like going to be well received and if there's a huge huge market for uh, the Adams family because as we've seen animated movies in general this this year have not been uh, all that uh, well received I guess um, they what did they well, do yeah go ahead I was gonna say I will there hasn't been a lot of big animated movies. I don't think anyway, in 2019. Yeah, no, this is, I think they said this was the biggest one for original animated movies. Uh, was, and, was, was abominable. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I gotta say though, just so you guys are aware of this, that, uh, the director of the Adams family is the, uh, the incomparable Greg Tierman, Tiernan, who is famously known for his, uh, directing of uh, 
that Thomas and Thomas the train. So you know it's going to be good. <laughs> that was me being facetious. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I'm man. not going to dignify that. <laughs> oh man. Um, not that I, I'm sure he probably is a great director and. Uh, uh, I know uh, Amanda Call. Uh, hopefully, she's listening to this uh, episode, and uh, she, uh, her kids watch Thomas the, the 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 shows all the time, and she can't stand any more Thomas in her life. So, uh, I'm sure that she's <laughs> not going to line up to go take her kids to uh, see the Adams Family movie, uh, just because of that. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's that's winning any anybody over uh, as far as a as a fact this movie but hopefully we'll see we'll see how well it does once uh once it uh, hits theaters on october 11th uh no the number two movie was downton abbey uh it dropped Yay. quite a bit yeah it dropped uh rob you weren't here for last week where we uh pretty much the whole episode was downton abbey uh know, marnie and jason it. when you know they 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 waxed you know for many many moons about uh, downton abbey uh, they, they, I have I not surprised. gotten a chance to see it yet. I'm very bummed. Like I really need to see this movie. Yeah, I, I, I it dropped fifty three point three percent. It earned fourteen and a half million the second weekend, which that's it's one of those movies where if you're a fan of the series, you're gonna go see it opening weekend more than likely. I, so yeah, that's I can't what you're see, seeing. I can't see non-fans going to see it. Like this is a movie made it's, for a, right. a specific yeah. group. Yeah, exactly. And this is not yeah. a movie for everybody. If you didn't yeah. watch Downton Abbey, you're not going to watch this movie because it's, it's not going to be as enjoyable. It's no, not going to make much you're sense. Like going to miss a massive part of the experience. Yeah. But here's the cool thing: it's already earned over a hundred million dollars worldwide. It's only Holy earned. Crap. Uh, it's only earned fifty-eight point five million in in the uh, U.S. Uh, but it is the fifth highest grossing focus films release of all time. And it's not, Ooh. it's only the second week in the theaters. That's awesome. That's, all right, that's amazing. So what was, what was the first one then? I don't know. I don't know. It just okay. said that that was the, that was, I'm going to, I'll, if somebody wants to Google it and find out for me. Absolutely. Uh, I will, uh, we'll, we'll, We'll go back to that talking point here if somebody wants to Google and find out for me. Uh, number. So th- I, I I haven't even I haven't even watched the trailer of this yet. Is it like the same quality as the TV show, or is it like movie quality? I don't know. I I'm really hoping it's like the same quality as the TV show. <laughs> All right, I I've got the focus features top uh top five here. Okay. Uh, we have uh, so number five, Downton Abbey. Yep. Uh, Burn Burn After Reading is number four, Which... with uh, about sixty million. Yep. Uh, so Downton Abbey is ready to overtake that one. Uh, then number three is London Has Fallen, uh, one of the, oh God. the the Fallen movies at sixty two. Yeah, it it'll beat that one more than likely so, too. It'll beat that one, and then Coraline. Uh, this is probably where we start to. You know, will Downton Abbey beat Coraline, the the kind of Tim Burton esque animated movie, seventy five million, and then the number one was Brokeback Mountain at eighty three million. I can't see it topping Coraline or Brokeback. 
No, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Probably not, but you know, it, to have it be one of the top three, I mean, Coraline's a great movie. I broke back. Mountain is, is again, another great movie. Like, it, I could see it comfortably making its way to the third. For pretty, sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I think so. In the top three, that's pretty good company to be in. You know, for for a movie that's based on a, a on a show. You know? Yeah, from a yeah. company that's more famous for making video games than it is for making movies, yeah. yeah. And uh, if we if yeah, we sort it by opening weekend, it did have the biggest opening weekend of any focus feature. Oh, wow. So it it did beat uh, all those uh, that are ended up in the top five quite quite handily, actually. Uh, Insidious Chapter Three was the the second highest from Focus at only twenty two million. Wow, I don't know so they totally smash that. Yeah, that is weird. I'm just I'm looking at the stats too that you're looking at, and Brokeback Mountain only made like half a million its yep. first year. But first, did weekend. you see how many theaters it came out in? Like four hundred something. Yeah, it was a really hard push to get that movie into theaters. Until I think really like the the time it came out too. That was, uh, I mean, that was a controversial release. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I... actually, it says oh theaters opening and the, no, the weeks it opened and the theaters it had it was only five theaters. If I reading that right? Oh wow, that Maybe. is that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, opening week <laughs> was five theaters. Wow. So. <laughs> I know that movie got a lot of Oscar buzz, so I'm wondering if uh, when did that movie come out? I'm trying to think if it came out like right before the Oscars or right around right Os- at, like right at it was right at the end of the year, so December ninth, two thousand five. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably one of those movies that that got a lot of buzz. Uh, for the uh, the awards it was probably going to garner garner uh, later on in the year i'm guessing or in the season i'm pretty sure they actually targeted it directly at the academy because they wanted that critical acclaim because they knew they would need it to get any box office value out of it All right, let's go. Uh, number three was Hustlers, which is uh, led, of course, by uh, Jennifer Lopez, and it uh, brought in eh, a little, almost, a little, almost eleven point five million. Uh, its domestic run has is just a little over eighty million. Uh, it's probably going to go past the hundred million mark for that movie, which is good for that movie, I guess. You know. Uh, is Jennifer Lopez still relevant? Uh, yeah, she's pretty relevant. Surprisingly I mean, oh. so, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's she, weird. She's too. actually going to do the the. She's actually going to be doing the uh, halftime concert oh, for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Her, and, her and Shakira. Oh, nice. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, number four went to It Chapter Two. It slid thirty-two percent on its fourth weekend. Uh, it's now earned uh, one hundred ninety-three point nine million here in the U- in the U.S. Uh, and two hundred and twenty-three point five million overseas, which brings its uh, global haul to four uh, hundred seventeen point four million which won't even get it close to chapter one's total, which was 700 million. 
Uh, but they still they still consider that a success for uh, a follow up movie. I mean, that's a pretty decent number. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh it yeah, is. for sure. Yeah, Considering the subject matter and that sort of thing, like it's pretty rare for a for a horror styled shock movie to to make it that far up in the box office. So they they're definitely clowns. doing something right. Um, I don't like clowns. <laughs> uh, the one movie that is really it really doesn't have a whole lot of uh, tr- lot going for it in its second week, and that's the number five movie. That's Ad Astra, the, the sci-fi uh, movie starring Brad Pitt. Uh, it slipped 47% uh, from last year, from last week, and it went from number two to number five. Uh, it only pulled in uh, just a little over 10 million, and it's brought that, that brings the total to 35.5 million in the U.S., but... You remember I told you that last week. I told you that yeah, was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, the 80 million plus production cost on that movie is just not going to be, uh, there's just no way that it's going to, uh, even if it does somehow manage to break even. Yeah. They're not good. They're going to be looking at that as a fail. It looked like it was going to be kind of a cool movie, but it did for a Brad Pitt movie to open and and basically flop for all intents and purposes. If it's already down to 10 million, it's they're going to call it a flop. Yeah, That's unheard of for them. That's, that's going to really hurt them. They, they, I, I saw very little press and very, very little um, out front publicity about it as well, too. Yeah, yeah. I think it, when you see I that, see any interviews? Studios, yeah, when it's, movie studios do that, they've kind of already determined that it's not going to do anything. I am not, uh, I am not too proud to, to not admit that. Uh, I thought Ad Astra was a video game, and then I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, it, it's a movie. Oh, okay. Why isn't there more buzz about this? Yeah, I, I don't know. Usually, uh, you know, usually I like sci-fi movies, and yeah, I'm, I'll probably rent it once it's once it's available for rent. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's too bad yeah. that this movie's tanking. The another movie that's tanking in its second week is Rambo: Last Blood. It's only brought. In- I actually heard that was really good. I told you it was called Last Gasp, not Last Blood. <laughs> uh, it brought in 8.5 million, a little over 8.5 million last weekend. Uh, yeah, it was in like almost 150 more theaters or screens than Ad Astra. So, yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's going to last all that long here uh, at the theater. Which Speaking of people that are no longer relevant. <laughs> Well, I would I would say too is like what you mentioned earlier about Downton Abbey. I think all the Rambo fans already saw it the first weekend. Yeah, yeah. As much as I want to see it, I'd rather have a new Expendables movie. Sure. Expendables is like my guilty pleasure. It's a different level of nostalgia too. You know, it's like what it is is nostalgia for all the '80s action movies, where Rambo was just nostalgia for just Rambo. Exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. why I said the last week when we were talking about it, I said they would have been better. Well, I'm not sure if I actually said that in so many words, but they would have been better off going with the Expendables because that is the homage to 80s movies that people will come to watch sure. endlessly. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, movies that will get buzz once more, 
award nominations are announced and and more uh, award buzz happens. Uh, the number seven movie is kind of interesting, guys. It's uh, it only opened in 461 screens, but it still brought in over three million dollars. And that movie is Judy, the uh, the movie the biopic of Judy Garland, uh, which was starring Renee Zellweger. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think that's crazy. You look at the, you look at the per screen average, and it brought in over six thousand seven hundred dollars per screen, which is crazy. I think this is a, a situation where they've got another targeted at the Oscars kind of thing deal going on. Yeah, sure. Um, the uh, the audience skewed very heavily male which was it was 60 percent well that's surprising <laughs> and it was 79 percent of the audience was over the age of 35 so let's just say it sounds like the kind of movie like my mom would want to watch yeah well, yeah that, that, it's like it's aimed at the at the 60 plus crowd kind of thing like because those are the people that grew up with judy garland right and there there there's a pretty significant niche culture that that uh, really likes these this level of like nostalgia for the fifties and fifties and sixties as well. Now, how do you? I don't know how you make a movie like that and broaden it to a larger demographic. I don't know if you can, to be honest with you. Other other you than don't, you don't other than to. you know, you don't need to. Right. Well, you kind of need to if you want it to well. be profitable. Yeah, that's well, that's the thing. You need to, if you want it to be profitable, you need to find a way to market it to the twenty, thirty something crap. Well, then ultimately, though, what you'd want to do is that you need because you, I mean, you, you can't you can't say that because there's got you there's always going to be a story to tell. And then ultimately, what's going to happen is that that as a as a producer or as a someone that's in charge of like a, you know a movie company is like, all right. What do we want to tell a good story, or do we want to tell a story that actually, you know, makes a lot of money? Sometimes you can do both, but I guarantee that this movie is going to pull. It's going to. Is going to make the money it 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 spent on it, and sometimes that's just all you want to do because you want to yeah. you want to build out your your portfolio for either, and especially if there's an actor that was really behind something that makes it a passion project, then you'll see that happen as well. That's true. Uh, and I, I don't think a lot of like uh, the the demographic that, that of folks that, that would go to see Judy would rush out to the theaters to go see it. Like they're not going to drop everything and, and go, oh, my gosh, I got to go out and see this movie opening weekend. It's I, they're more than likely going to be going to this movie, you know, week, even week two or week three. So. I'll be curious to see if it opens up in more screens and and if more folks will will go to see. I'm it, sure it will. You know, week It'll two, probably week do better three. in Blu-ray sales. Yeah, right? that's, it's that's gotten true. enough critical acclaim now that people will pick it up and just a just as a, like a test the waters kind of thing, because there's already a lot of people like saying, "Oh my God, this is Zellweger's best performance ever." And I think you, what you might see too is a lot of people who may not have been interested in the movie um, are going to start hearing about it that are in the correct age group to go see it. And they're, they're going to say, Hey, you know what? You want to see what it was like to be somebody in, in the public eye 
when I was a kid, come on, you know, my child or grandchild or daughter or whatever, let's go see this movie and you'll get to see what it was like to be in that kind of spotlight when I was that age. Yeah. I do that all the time. I'm like, come on, my child, let us go see this movie. <laughs> Uh, th- th- this also kind of fits within the genre that we saw earlier this year with Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, let's see here. Number eight was Good Boys. That's in its seventh week. Uh, pulled in just a little over two million. Number nine is The Lion King in its eleventh week. It seems like we've mentioned The Lion King in every single episode of the Chaotic Good Cast since we started oh, doing it's... these. Uh, just won't go away it's so just, it, <laughs> man i i really hated that movie and it still pulled in <laughs> 1.6 million last weekend like it it has earned over 540 million dollars here in the u.s just in the u.s it's pulled in a half a billion dollars the and it, and like, the, like wait until it lands on blu-ray <laughs> That, that, that will be a huge Blu-ray seller, especially they're they're timing it right now. They could probably have that out in 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 stores by Christmas, so that could be a huge stocking stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, it'll probably be on Disney Plus right away too. More than likely, more than likely. Which uh, that launches uh, November twelfth, right? Super excited! Yeah. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number ten was Angela's phone. Which pulled in just a little over 1.5 million. Uh, <laughs> I'm still amazed at that. Hanging on on its sixth week. I don't think it's going to last another week, though. It's uh, the third one in the franchise. They, I, I don't know what they're doing because I think the movies are dumb, but they're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so good on them. So we'll have to see what uh, what happens uh, next weekend because this week the Joker debuts in theaters and there's a lot of controversy around this movie and i'm going to tell you uh that uh before we dive into all this other stuff uh that's surrounding the the joker movie um i will let you know that a friend of mine uh he he's a uh, uh online personality and he was invited uh by warner brothers to go see the joker out in LA uh, at the premiere and they, they invited, they invited all the press and media and they said, come on out. You're welcome to our premiere. And then like the next day they got an, he got an email that said, no media is no longer invited. So you're not welcome at the premiere. So (laughs) that's that's crazy. So weird. Like, I, and I don't know if they did that intentionally. Like that's that's one of those things where it's like, do you, are you doing that just to get the buzz? Because you know that seems like such a rude thing to do. Hey, like, may, why hey, would you? I could almost, do you almost want to say, is that a marketing thing? It, that's what I'm thinking. Like, like, ah, I don't know. So, so no, media yeah. and press were not allowed to go to the premiere of the Joker. So I, I don't know what to think about that. Uh, guys, there's been other things that have, have come up. Like, I, I know that the, there's uh, folks concerned about like all the violence, the glorified violence in this movie and how it, it really isn't 
what what did you say jason earlier about the the folks that 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 were families of the victims of one of the the theater shootings yeah. back when uh, um, the, the dark when, night was yeah. going on when the dark night rises came out um and they had that shooting at the theater and i'm pretty sure it was 12 people were killed um that they've gotten together as a group uh and issued a statement to the film company saying this is unbelievably insensitive and unwise of you to do given light of what happened in the past and while i agree with the fact that it's not exactly the best for those families because for sure for sure they're going to be reliving this and that's terrible i don't know that it really is relevant to the situation because this movie was going to, was already in, in production. I mean, they could have said something sooner and obviously they didn't. And the story of the Joker is one of mental anguish and like, it's a, it's a terrifying mental ride. Like the man goes completely insane and uses that insanity as a means of powering himself up to, to do the things that he does. Like there's no good spin for a Joker movie. There's no, Oh, it's a lighthearted rom-com. Like it's just not going to happen. This is a movie about a terrible man who does terrible things for terrible reasons because he's nuts. Right. So like, I don't like, while I, I understand them protesting it saying, Oh my God, you know, how could you do this? I don't know that. How could you, how could you not do it? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, people are like they've even the the director of the movie came out and said this is not a DC Comics movie. This is a movie that just happens to be about a guy called the Joker who's a clown. <laughs> like that's basically what he came out and said. He's like this movie has nothing to do with the DC extended universe or DCU or whatever they want to call it. And that really confused a lot of people because a lot of people were like, "Well, wait, isn't this isn't this a, the DC Comics Joker?" And they're like, "Yeah." But this isn't they're like they're saying it is, but it isn't. And that really was very confusing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and then I, I know they've said that uh police police have been warned and like to prepare, you know, just to be on alert opening weekend and the military has been advised to be on alert opening weekend. Like that's kinda like that's messed up. Like, they're they're definitely expecting this to to do something within the 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 communities that uh, feel ostracized and and made fun of and and powerless uh, and it really feels like they are trying to by announcing hey we're letting people know that there'll be increased police presence and and possible military involvement like they're trying to psych someone out from doing uh, another tragedy like the theater shooting um and and so many of these gun violence things we've been experiencing in, in the country yeah i mean it is i mean you, you if you look at the cast i mean it's you have characters alfred pennywolf young bruce wayne i, I mean um you know arkham state hospital clerk you look at the the cast on there this is this is it might not be in the extended universe but this is this is DC this is the DC Joker and 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 I see I see this I don't know if you, how many of you remember the uh Scrooge I think maybe we talked about that that Christmas movie with uh 
with Bill Murray. Bill Murray yep. There was that sign. There was a scene in there where he asked for feedback for they had that commercial, um, and uh, and they said that it like it gave a woman a heart attack and she died, and he says this is great. Like he's saying this, you have to, you know, put a warning, put a warning label on top of this. So I I see this this happening with Warner Brothers in the sense of like they're not. They're not promoting it in so much sense, but they're actually creating more buzz by not allowing, not allowing people to, not allowing press to show up for the opening night. Um, they're doing, they're creating more press by, by being, be by being so um, liability conscious about anything that could possibly happen. Yeah, they're turning it into its own spectacle. Like, ooh, you need to see this movie because something might happen. And that's I gar- bizarre. Right. <laughs> I, I, yes, I guarantee when they said that they're calling out the National Guard and like the, having the military be on alert, those those Warner Brothers studio execs were just grinning ear to ear. Oh, yeah. It's, it's free this. publicity. Like, how could you... Like, they get like that... That it was... They used to say... Um, uh, and any publicity is good publicity. It doesn't matter right. if it's good or bad. Exactly. You're still putting the name of your thing on people's minds yeah. and on their lips. So it just seems kind of like, gross. It is, yeah. Honestly, it's a very unusual marketing strategy, <laughs> if it is even a marketing strategy. Well, I mean, but also too, you can. I mean, objectively speaking, the Joker isn't the worst character that's out there. I mean, as far as I mean, it's there's a lot of I, you, you look at. Silence of the Lambs. Um, look at I am like some of the scenes and and right. some of the scenes in Walking Dead are ho- Walking Dead are horrible. So it's not I I see that really the, the only reason why this is a big deal is because um, yeah and the, the shooting that happened in Aurora, Colorado. That's really if if that never happened, this wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about it. So it's no oh, yeah this would be a non-issue said, entirely yeah yeah. Yeah, it it'll be interesting to see what uh, you know how they how they tell the story and how it's portrayed and everything and and all we do know is that this film won the uh, the uh, major international film the, the Venice uh, Film Festival. So yeah, people are saying that uh, that Joaquin Phoenix's performance is is amazing. And of course, you know, there's the instant comparison to Heath Ledger's Joker, which is, I think, irrelevant. Honestly, not that his performance is irrelevant, but the comparison's not relevant to this. It's a, it's a different movie. It's a different series. It's just, you know, it would be like trying to compare Nicholson's Joker to Heath Ledger. Like, they're completely different movies and completely different styles, even though they're the same character. There's no comparison. Yeah. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how the how. Uh how the box office responds to, uh, to the Joker movie for next week, for this, this coming weekend. Um, I, I do kind of want to go see it. I'm not sure if I'll get a chance to, um, yeah, I, I it's not, like I said, it's not a movie I'm going to take my family to. I don't think my wife or, uh, my <laughs> will go see it. So, yeah. And I don't think I, I honestly want them can't to see it stand walking Phoenix. So it's no big deal for me. I'll rent it. <laughs> I, I hate that I like I don't I guess that's why I shouldn't say that because hate's is too strong a word um, I don't think he's a good actor I really don't <laughs> that comment uh, vexes me I'm terribly vexed <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, that does it for the box office beat. Let's get to the let's get to the pop culture corner brought to you by storycomic.com and Barney, take it away. What uh, what do we got well, going on in the world of pop culture this week? I think I think we're all thinking of the same thing about there's a, some big some pretty um specific big news that was that was released um this week that we talked about and as we were talking about Disney so obviously we'll jump in and talk about the Frozen 2 trailer no I'm kidding um <laughs> oh, would you just let it go <laughs> oh, ouch that was, cold. <laughs> that was ice cold as ice <laughs> uh so uh Spider-Man's back so uh, that's that's yeah. the, that's that's something that we've we've been kind of keeping an eye on. Um, love to get your guys' feedback on it. Uh, so, ultimately, there, there's there's a a couple. One of the bigger one of the bigger takeaways about this, um, just from a logistics perspective, I can talk about the politics of it, the business side of it, and um, potential storyline uh, possibilities of this. But the one thing that I've noticed a lot that people are talking about with this, other than the fact that everybody's super excited about it, is like this means 2021 is the first time that there's going to be four Marvel movies coming out in one year. Right, right. That's never happened before. They've never had that. It's it's either been two movies or three movies. In the, in the past few years, they've been having three movies out. So this means with that in there, you got Shang-Chi coming out February 12th, 2021. Doctor Strange is coming out May 7th. They said that Spider-Man, the third Spider-Man installment is coming out in July. And then you have Thor 11 Thunder was coming out in November, November 5th. So there is talk on there that that's some discussion is like, is this going to be a new thing? Uh, so this kind of makes it look like that they kind of shoehorn this in if they've always been planning on having three movies out a year. Cause uh, in 2020, it's only going to be two movies and then 2022 it's going to be three movies. And this was supposed to be three movies. So this does look like this wasn't planned. So there are some things that, you know, Sony and Marvel studios finally put an agreement on. And because of this, obviously this would entail that Sony, has a plan for their own spider verse mm. and that they had to shoehorn in the contract for Tom Holland to, to fit, to, to say, all right, if you're going to, if we're going to do this, you got to do it within a few years, if this is what we're going to do. So uh, I don't know what's uh, just, what are, what are you also everybody else's um, impressions, feedbacks and conspiracies on all of this? Well, one thing that I, uh, I read the other day was that the deal includes, um, it, it, it includes for Sony that they can bring Tom Holland into uh, Venom Two as soon as Venom Two. So there's a chance that he'll he'll make a a an appearance in that movie. There is uh the the plan originally was that they were going to bring him in as late as the third uh, Venom movie. So they've already got Sony has plans for for this already. So they yeah, they're uh, they're pretty sneaky on this. It's it's pretty funny how they're trying to tie uh the MCU in with their uh with their Spider-Man universe at this uh, 
you know, they're they're uh, why why they're Venom movies. though? Why not why not the Spider Verse movies? Like he'd be so much, he'd be awesome in a Spider Verse movie. Well, and, I'm and sure get Toby and get Andrew Garfield him. and like that would be very ooh. cool. That would be pretty neat. That, yeah. that would be awesome, actually. I would that like would be to see amazing that action. Aha! I see what you did there. <laughs> so spectacular pun, spectacular. Oh, ouch, ouch! <laughs> but so I, here, I think Sony and 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 Disney just remembered that they they really like money. Yeah, right. I mean Disney's I, getting twenty five percent of the box office take, and Sony gets seventy five. Which, you know, the, yeah, is I feel like somebody at Sony finally woke up and said, "Guys, this is stupid. We can't not let this kid make another Spider-Man movie. It's a license to print money. Yeah. Like, no matter how dumb we are, or how silly we want to do a script, or how much meddling we want to do, we need to get this movie made because it's going to make us fistfuls of money. Like, we'll be rolling in it like Scrooge McDuck." So I, I'm. I'm I'm gonna speculate and think that probably also um, Tom Holland's agent might have been a part of this as well, because here's the thing: Tom Holland was only has a contract for three Spider-Man movies. So if his third Spider, if his third and final Spider-Man movie is going to be in the MCU, he has zero obligation to do to put on that that red mask again. So I'm sure there was a discussion on that. All right, if we give, if we let you do a third movie, can we do something also then Tom Holland, can you do some Spider-Man for us in the Spider-Verse? And, and a lot of the, a lot of the projections and a lot of the the theories that I've seen and, and reading some articles and, and seeing some people that really are following this is Sony is not being dumb about, their own IP with, with the Spider-Verse because they're doing the Morbius movie and they, and this is, this is the, this is the, this is the big pieces that a lot of people are thinking about a day before they mentioned that they, they've kind of uh, made amends and that, that Spider-Man's coming back into the MCU. Sony made an announcement. They're going to be in, in, in works of doing a Madam web movie. Mm -hmm. And Everybody that said Madam Web, like every video and article I've read about this announcement, everybody actually grabbed their comic books and looked up who the heck Madam Web was. <laughs> like, <laughs> to the Google like, beast. Yeah, it's like, what is going on here? So basically for uh, for for the for the bulk of the pie, I actually had to look it up again too. Madam Web is basically think of her as like she's the Oracle from the Matrix. Right, right. She is basically for any of the deep people that watch the CW. Basically, she's like the Speed Force. Um, and for Flash, she actually has the ability to um to connect universes. So a lot of people are wondering is if if they're going to be doing a Madam Web movie, is this going to be the introduction of Tom Holland Spider Man to go into a different to a different universe to into like the 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 sony version of marvel uh, where he's going to be able to go over there and then with that in place with also with with dr strange and uh the of the multiverse this could easily open up and i think this is where disney was smart say listen let's not cut all of our ties here if we do this right with some really good storytelling we can probably have spider-man come back anytime we want by 
having this agreement where it, if the storyline will fit, where they can bring Spider-Man back if they need to. And, and it it's would also make sense an excellent, story. it's an excellent avenue for into the Spider-Verse to happen too. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Either way, I'm I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that, that Sony and Disney were able to uh, come to terms and and we get at least one more uh, Spider-Man Homecoming movie because you know the way that last one ended, it definitely needed something to follow up with. It would be terrible yeah. if they left that as the end of it. Yeah, That'd that, be a that really would have would have made me feel horrible. That 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 kind of would have put all this work that they've been building up for for like ten years it would kind of put a black mark on that, you know, to kind of have that just dangling out there that you wouldn't be able to address and be like, right. Oh, well they've kind of thought out everything up until this point, but Oh, now all of a sudden you can't, you know, we can't finish out, you know, we have to kind of leave this thing out in the air. You know, you hate to hate to see all that just happen just for Spider-Man. So, right. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I'm excited that uh, they were able to make things happen. I think we all kind of were hoping that, and uh, you know, of course, we all know that money talks. And uh, I will be the cynic, and I will believe it when I actually see a trailer. So <laughs> this has been back and forth for a month. So who knows what could happen? Wow. Ben. So who was it? Was it was it Rob or Jason that said a few weeks ago that? they're going to have to figure something else by the end of the year. And I completely disregarded that and thought this was, no, I think this is it. I can't remember which one of you guys said that it was. Um, I, I would it say it was Rob Jason. because I don't remember saying it. <laughs> I was going to say it was Jason. It could very well have been me. They didn't, they needed to do something with it. I mean, you can't just cut it off like that. It just, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I guess technically they can because they own them. <laughs> But I um, think if it if it stayed the way it was, you were gonna have a lot of unhappy fans. Yeah, and they would be vocal and, about that for sure. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I mean that's the last thing you want to do is piss off the nerds. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> considering they're the like eighty percent of your revenue stream these days, Sony. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did uh, any of y'all see the announcement that Feige wants John Bernthal's Punisher in the MCU? I did see that announcement. Yeah. I think that would be amazing, but I also don't think it would work unless the MCU pushed into the the R rating. Yeah, um, and, yeah, they would they would need to get him and him and then Deadpool and that sort of thing all rolled in there. Like they would almost have to do like two side by side ish sort of universes they, at the same they time. They were they were also saying that they they you know he probably wouldn't even debut in his own movie. Um, right. that there was some other movie or something that he would probably show up in, uh, which might well, make more sense if it was, you he's know, he's never movie. really been much of a leading character. He's always just the guy that comes in out of nowhere. Like he, like if you look back at the comics, he was such a huge guest star across so many comics because he was always like the, he's the anti-hero guy, you know, like Captain America stumbles on him while he's doing something nefarious. And he's like, ah, oh, you can't do that. Cause you know, virtue and honor and man, I'll stop you. And, and <laughs> you know, that's basically how the Punisher goes. He gets his thing done and he's like, yeah, see you next time, buddy. And then he screws off in his little van and you never no, see him he's, again. He's always crossing paths with Spider-Man, Daredevil. 
Yeah, exactly. He's he's an excellent guest star. <laughs> no. But he also, I mean, with he also yeah. was, you know, he had a lot to do with old school Nick Fury. And it would be really cool though if they had him and 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 current Nick Fury, you know, something going on there. The only issue I have with that is it's it's kind of like the DC universe um trying to get more mainstream, happy, feely, PG-ish like it's going to seem really weird to have a character who has absolutely no qualms whatsoever about shooting a guy who's being inconvenient in the same room with, um, you know, the Avengers who, yeah, they beat the crap out of the peons, but they generally don't overly hurt people. Like he's going to be, he's going to be like oil and water and that'll be, yeah, really I mean, weird. especially after his, his Netflix series. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's it so dark. Like it's, it's, more reminiscent of a DC series, honestly, with the way they did the lighting and all that. Like, it's just, mind you, most of the Netflix series were like that. They weren't brilliant, brilliantly lit like all the Marvel movies were. But yeah, it would be, could you imagine he walks into the room and the same lighting scheme as the Avengers? I'd, yeah. I'd be like, what? I mean, I could what? see, I could see Daredevil <laughs> making the crossover easier than anyone else. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Especially so, with with Spider-Man, like yeah. Daredevil so, and Spider-Man would note, be awesome. I don't know if you guys ever noticed this, but in the, just a little side note: if you notice that every of the Marvel, every of those uh, the the Netflix Marvel shows, all of them had a color to it. Like uh, Luke Cage was yellow. Uh, you had Daredevil was had red hues to it. Jessica Jones had blue hues to it. And and Iron Fist kind of had this green hue to it. And if you watch, yeah. if you watch the Defenders, depending on who the major person was in that scene, that scene had their color hue. Yeah, imprinted. They did on that the on scene. the. They did that in the DC universe with Arrow and uh, and the Flash and all that too. Actually, yeah, it's very subtle in a lot of cases. But the more you watch the sh- like, if you're a, a big fan of the series and you watch a lot of the episodes, uh, and you see them in more than a weekly status you'll start to notice really quickly, like why is it that whenever Oliver Queen comes around a corner, there's a green light somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So the Netflix deal with Marvel, they can only, Marvel can access those characters two years after the the Netflix thing is up, right? No, no, not necessarily. It's basically, it's just, it's more culturally speaking is like they, they, for the sake of not having to rehash something that's why you're gonna see them not do x-men right away or wolverine uh, anything like that right away because do we fox just came out with a movie on it where the fantastic four culturally speaking people have kind of already there's been enough distance for that but those marvel the, the marvel netflix series those series belong to netflix Right. They license that. Those will always be on Netflix. Right, but they can't access those characters for two years from like I think it's the end of the the release of the the last season for those characters. I'm pretty sure there's a two year they have a there's a two year like period where Disney can't access those characters or make or introduce them into the MCU before the the netflix like and and i'm wondering if i guess when does that spider-man movie supposed to come out well i think they were they were saying that it's going to be just shy of being able to pull in like murdoch as his lawyer oh okay 
that's odd. I wonder because that was that was the rumors. You know, yeah. People think, oh, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if they pulled in Matt Murdock as his lawyer? But then they were saying like it's it's just short of being able to use him or something like oh, that, okay. and that they might pull in She Hulk. But now she's going to be on the TV series, so who knows? And didn't right. I? Didn't I? See I wonder something? if that's mostly just to to uh, allow people to sort of I don't want to say forget, but allow disconnect. people to disconnect from yeah, that's an excellent word, disconnect. Um, disconnect from the thought of those actors as those characters, maybe. Maybe. Because they're obviously going to recast them. They're not going to bring in the same actors. I think right. they Even though they should. would want to. Yeah. I think it would be a smart move, but I really think they're going to recast. Yeah. So right here, I'm just looking at this on screen, right? It was talking, they said, previous reports indicated that Marvel Netflix deal precluded Disney from using the characters until 2020. But... Uh, that's because the deal was struck in 2013. So, but as I say, I think a lot of it has to do with that. So there, there was a limit of about seven years, but uh, yeah, you know, according to this is that they don't have, I don't think they have anything they're going to do with them because there are still tons of characters and that they can play with. I mean, they're still they're still characters. We haven't seen Alpha Flight yet. We haven't seen. There's still so many characters out there that Disney could use, and that they probably will end up using Daredevil and Jessica Jones, and you know, Power Man and Iron Fist as they're known as well. Yeah. We just need a movie with Modok in it. I, I thought that's what <laughs> uh, didn't they didn't they say that they were bringing him into the MCU? Here oh, uh, awesome. pretty soon. Yeah, I'm trying. I thought that's what uh, I thought that's what I read the other day. I think maybe through a what if episode, maybe first. There's but a. I would I love be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. There's some. Oh no, Moda! I think he's coming in through Doctor Strange. Yeah, because uh, someone had the the uh, they kind of reference him in one of the uh, Iron Man movies. From what I yeah, what isn't like. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to remember what. Uh, wait, let me take a look here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not thinking of the Mandarin. No, no, it was uh, one of the other guys that. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was one of the guys, in that uh, Tony was up against one of the, like the tech guys, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Anyway, I can't remember, but yeah, I thought I read the other day that they were looking at uh, bringing Modok in eventually uh, here in the next uh, next phase of Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I can't find the article now. Oh, wait a minute. I, I, that that. Oh, sorry. No, I did. I did find the article. It uh, says uh, actually sh it, it's going to be in the She-Hulk TV series. <laughs> That's yep. interesting. Yep. According to our sources, none other than Modoc will finally make his much-awaited uh, debut in She-Hulk. Uh, it's not sure how how he's going to be involved, but that's uh, that's who is going to be one of the main uh, main villains in the She-Hulk TV series. That's going to either they're going to have to either completely rework that character, or they're going to blow a huge amount of their CGI budget. <laughs> He's the leader of AIM in the comics, and the, that group actually uh, appeared previously in Iron Man 3. 
I always liked AIM as a, as an organization. I thought that was a cool idea. And that's and that's where I was thinking that uh, I knew that they they had referenced a. a yeah, uh, well, they referenced AIM. I don't know if they referenced Modoc in particular. No, but they they uh, they brought them in. Uh, you know, at least the uh, he was the leader of AIM, and then AIM was in the. Uh, he, at least he's the leader of AIM in the comics, and then they, of course they brought AIM into the the MCU in, in uh, Iron Man three. So, yeah, that's kind of that, that's where I was drawing that line. I knew I wasn't remembering it all correctly. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's again another Disney Plus uh, uh, content that uh, everybody's going to be excited about. Yeah, I, I think I'm the I think I'm I'm the one that I know of that is super excited about She Hulk out of the, all that whole collection. Yeah. Uh, all you all you other guys were talking about that you said more about Moon Knight and Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, I'm well. Uh, Captain Marvel, less so, but Moon Knight is is my jam. That yeah. he, I've always I've always been a fan of Moon Knight, so Moon Knight I'm really looking awesome. forward to that one. the The whole thing with She Hulk, the only thing that I'm worried about with She Hulk is they're really going to have to go out of their way to avoid like over sexualizing her because that was always the problem that people had with She Hulk in the comics. It was like, hey, she's She Hulk now, and oh look, she's somehow in a swimsuit. Or barely in a swimsuit, <laughs> like that seemed to happen yeah. so often. You'll see. I, I mean, you see. I mean, you can it, you can take any of the characters. I mean, like Black Widow could, you know, in the comics could have been over sexualized as well. I think if you have a really good writer and someone that really understands the character, uh, it it should be fine. Like John Byrne, when he did that, it was mostly all law stuff, like the focusing on her lawyer things right. my guess is that the story arc they're going to use her is going to be based off of her uh her law aspect oh i would i would hope so i hope they don't try to do like a like a power man kind of thing with her yeah. that'd be a waste right uh the speak- fact that she was the she hulk was always kind of secondary to the fact that she was actually quite brilliant it was just a handy option she had all the time uh, speaking of uh, Marvel, let's let's also talk about the uh, the other announcement that was just made with Marvel uh, Publishing and, and Entertainment. Uh, Jason, this is something you were excited about uh, going into this episode uh, that Marvel and Games Workshop are going to uh, collaborate and publish new Warhammer comics and graphic novels for fall of uh, next year, twenty twenty. I am really curious to see how this goes. It could be either extremely cool or extremely terrible. <laughs> Just because like, the Warhammer 40k universe is violent and brutal and abrupt and not at all kind or rosy. There's like, there's there's no ray of sunshine in the Warhammer 40k universe. So I'm curious to see where they go with it. I think it would be really cool to have a, a comic done by... Uh, done by uh, Marvel comics based on Warhammer because in the past, all of Marvel or all, sorry, all of games workshops attempts to bring um, space Marines and that sort of thing to any kind of media outlet have been terrible. So hopefully Marvel can do them one better. Now the previous uh, comics license was held by Titan comics. How long do you, do we know how long they've, uh, how long have they had the the license, or have has there been a big gap since they've put out any comics for them? 
I have not seen a comic from GW since got some IDW graphic novels, I think, but those are even reprints. And those were like 10, 15 years ago. Are the the Warhammer Adventures are those novels or comics? The the kids Warhammer um, books. I'm pretty sure they're novels. Honestly, I have not looked at them though. I always I thought that was really weird. They were they're trying really to brand weird. it towards children, and like they're like the it's the night of the Necrons. The Necrons are soulless killing machines, <laughs> a la the Terminator. They're not like for kids. Like none of the Warhammer universe is for is to be should be aimed at like a child's mind it's just not yeah it is such a weird it just it does not work what i gotta do say though is that um going to the library and then getting out that children's book called night of the necrons it's you know it's the the art in there is beautiful and the kids really love reading that i'm kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) i was was gonna say (laughs) you sold that really well man you really (laughs) sold that I was like, wow, uh, okay. Uh, I'm just glad there's no cameras on there because I was grinning on big stuff. (laughs) Uh, It looks like the last Titan comic uh, for Warhammer comic was uh, August of 2018. So it's going to be probably two years before uh, it'll be a two-year gap between uh, comics for, uh, for Warhammer. So that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, definitely be interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, is there anything else, uh, Barney, that you had uh, lined up for uh, like pop culture corner? Uh, yeah, just uh, one thing, real quick, and we don't have to dwell on. It. I just feel like I have to announce this since we are talking about pop culture. Sure. Uh, the uh, uh, World of Warcraft had a really pretty huge um cinematic um as it goes as they had this war campaign in this in this expansion and each one is so look it up but basically there's a lot of talk that they're actually going to get rid of factions between the the horde and the alliance there was a um a pretty significant thing that happened and for those that used to play world of warcraft just go ahead and get on youtube and uh just uh search for um um eight uh patch 8.2.5 cinematic and uh it's 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 pretty big so i'll just leave it at that i you you have to mention it i mean you just even though not a lot of people play world of warcraft here and it was a pretty significant event that happened in uh video games this week uh one other thing that uh we're gonna that was a big that was announced that that happened uh i think it might have been announced today uh, is that Stranger Things season four is happening? Uh, yes, and it's, there was, uh, yes. yeah, it's, we're not it's, in Hawkins anymore. Yeah, they're not. Uh, it's not taking place in Hawkins, which is wow. It's probably a good idea because honestly, it's one of those things. It's got kind of like um, Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale in Buffy. How many terrible things can happen to one tiny little town? <laughs> like you have to eventually move on. <laughs> Right. Well, unless Hawkins is is actually in a hell mouth, then you know it'd be fine. I'll I'll be interested to see if this is like the American Horror Story, uh, where you know they just can do a complete break 
and it's not related to the the first three seasons at all or if they're gonna leave little breadcrumbs for us to follow that that will connect the two different stories or if it's just a you know oh well you know they left hawkins so now they're in this new place hmm. yeah it, it it'll be interesting to see uh what uh, what they do and of course uh it will you know, be weird to see how they get the kids all there if they if they continue to use all of the kids yeah maybe they just split them off well, just since they because really why up. would a random group of children go like they'd have to either move it a couple of years forward to get them out of high school or it'd be interesting yeah and without spoiling a whole lot if if folks haven't seen the the, the end of the last season uh yeah things things ended kind of odd where it kind of felt like it was maybe that was going to be the end of the story. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they, how they approach season four. Uh, and then the other thing that uh, we can talk about just, just for uh, just for a few moments is the fact that uh, speaking of streaming services, uh, New York city uh, or New York comic-con has, uh, announced that they're pretty much the, I guess, site zero or ground zero for all the streaming announcements and all the big things that are going on in the streaming uh, industry at this point. Uh, I know HBO is making some some big announcements at uh, at, at uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, Netflix is making uh, a lot of uh, really big uh, news there. Uh, CBS All Access, Amazon Studios, Hulu—they're all kind of amping up to uh, really kind of make some noise at uh, New York Comic Con, which is kind of unusual because uh, it, a lot of these streaming services don't really do that. Uh, we see that with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, what am I, uh, movie studios, uh, especially at, during San Diego Comic-Con. This is a big thing for them. They come out and they announce the next movies that, uh, you know, the next wave of movies that they've got coming up. And, and that's a really big thing for S- San Diego Comic-Con. So for this to kind of give New York Comic-Con its own kind of thing is kind of neat, I, I think. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if folks uh, are just as excited about uh, their about this being, you know, a big thing because we all know that streaming services are pretty much taking over at this point. Yeah, pretty soon they're going to be choking out the major cable companies like. I'm sure companies like Rogers and Shaw and well, mind you, that's, that's in Canada. I don't know if you guys have them in the States, but um, they're the major streaming company or the major TV companies in Canada right now. And they're all uh, like, there's already some concern there. Like saying, like, they're wondering like, how do they compete? What do they do to stay relevant? You know, like if they've, the, everybody's offering their whole, you know, um, ad hoc prep programming package deals where you can like pick whatever channels you want where in the past it was like, yeah, you can have super channel, but you have to take these other 18 channels that you probably never will watch because this is how we get them into market. So it'll be interesting to see how that boils down. Um, the one thing that uh, publishers are kind of uh, afraid of uh, is the fact that uh, a lot of, a, a lot of these comic publishers, these just these publishers that do New York comic-con they 
a lot of them save their announcements for this convention because they get kind of drowned out at San Diego Comic Con because of all these big, you know, uh, theater or these movie theater or oh, these yeah. movie uh, announcements. One, yeah, one major movie announcement, and everybody's like, "There was nothing else at Comic Con this year, just exactly. this one thing." So a lot of them are kind of worried that that's going to happen with this convention as well. That these streaming uh, services are going to make their big announcements and. Nobody's really going to be pay- paying attention to their uh, their announcements, which is, you know, kind of kind of too bad because you know if you've got a comic con, you kind of want you know those comic publishers to be a big part. <laughs> yeah, of, you know the reason why the, people are there. It's unfortunately become a bit a victim of its own success now. Like the major companies have literally realized, hey, you know. A, a huge portion of our target audience goes to this thing so you know we better get on this and all of a sudden you get like marvel studios presents san diego comic-con all of a sudden like it's to the point now where like the fact that you're a comic producer or a comic publisher is not really relevant to the fact that it's san diego comic-con anymore yeah well we'll see uh I, I, like i said i i think it's good that these uh the New York uh, Comic Con has uh, kind of made its own mark uh, with the the big convention scene, but you know I'm I'm hoping that one of the, I'm hoping that publishers still feel like uh, they're they're not getting drowned out. That's that's the big my big concern. But you know, good good for New York Comic Con to kind of find its niche and and uh, you know to try to find uh, a way to make it. Just as uh, hopefully as exciting as, as San Diego Comic Con, because uh, I know I know it still gets a lot a lot of uh, attendance, and it's shoulder to shoulder uh, most of the weekend, and uh, you know it, I'm just afraid that uh, you know the comic industry just is going to get kind of uh, put to the side. Uh, it'd be nice to see another another uh, convention that was just as big be for the big comic publishers, but uh, I don't know when it would take place. When does, when does San Diego Comic-Con usually take place? Well, I think that's what, August? Is it August usually? Yeah, I guess I think so. it's probably pretty close to yeah. when Gen Con happens. Uh, but, so. but also, but, but ultimately too, and this is one of the things I sent out on, on, uh, on my, uh, the story comic Facebook page uh, that we put in there is talking about, if you want to be a comic artist, don't because right now it's, I mean, the, the print the the print comics are are really are, are a dying breed right now and plus you're not that really the money is in trademarking of ip is is um it's intellectual properties right now right. so it's and it's branding that name because right now marvel comics marvel maybe makes five percent of their money off of if five percent of their money off of the actual comics. Everything else is, is in, you know, is in, is in other media, whether it be movies or television. So it's not. Yeah. Or even the digital subscriptions now are taking off quite a bit for them. That's what I do. I use comiXology unlimited. Yeah. I'm just reading secret wars again because, and it costs me, you know, I have all the comics that I ever want to read. I can just read off yeah. of a subscription. And they're and yeah, and they're on your iPad or whatever other device you happen to use. You, you don't have to have a spare room full of like fifty long boxes and try to go dig through them all to find whatever you want to read. You can just say, 
Search Secret Wars. Click. Oh, look, it's there. <laughs> All right. Hard to argue. And you're gonna see, and you're gonna see too. It's the same thing where you talk about packs or or that you that you're gonna have you know like conventions that are specifically for role playing games, a, a convention specifically for video games, a convention that's we're starting to see what's really it's um, in the in the comic book industry. You're starting to see these independent independent comic publish publishers conventions like mice is really popular so the massachusetts independent comics expo you're starting to see these things that are geared more towards independent and independent and self-publishers now yeah there's just there's just so many events now that there's always something going on every weekend of the year at this point so oh, yeah. you cons really in to, general have exploded yeah. in the last like five six years you really have to find something that makes you unique in order to draw a crowd because there's so many uh events out there that are looking for your dollar that you need to find a draw somehow so all right, I guess that's going to do it for this week on the Chaotic Good Cast. It was chaotic, but it was so good. I want to thank my fellow casters, Rob Collegian from A Pond's Perspective. Go check out aponsperspective.com. Check out Ben Higgins at Flop Cardboard on Twitch. Er, and, are you on Twitch? I can't remember what. Uh, I I am not on Twitch. Oh. Just uh, Twitter's in oh. the Instagram. Yeah, flop cardboard on on Twitter and Instagram, but not on Twitch. But maybe now he'll make it. Not yet, anyway. He's yeah. probably registering it as we speak. <laughs> Someone out there is probably going to register it now on on you, uh, Ben. Yeah, so you better, better... five thousand dollars for the name. That's right. Uh, and of course, uh, thank you, Barney Smith from StoryComic.com. If you want to uh, stay up to date on all the stuff that uh, we were talking about, check out uh, Story Comic on Facebook. And uh, sometimes I post stuff as well on our Facebook page. I will mention that if you would like to listen to our uh, Chaotic Good Cast every week, we record live on the Chaotic Good discord server i put a link to the discord server in the description of this podcast episode just feel free to join it and listen to us every monday night at 9 p.m and i also want to thank the geek of the north jason hunt for joining us this week as well that's going to do it for this week i want to thank everybody for tuning in we'll see you next week safety pants there are bright neon yellow they have reflectors on the side you can wear them in the night and even in the light they'll keep you safe on your bike ride the safety pants (laughs) oh my god wow you know we didn't have higgins last week and it was totally you didn't he tried to get me to sing a song on the spur of the moment i was like what the heck is this not happening Jason, so last week we were pantsless. <laughs>